You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking to Sebastian Leone. He's talking to us from L.A. Sebastian, thanks so much for being with me today. My pleasure. Uh, good morning, Bernard, or good afternoon for you. Thank you. Yes, afternoon for me, morning for you. So, um, <laughs> so let's talk about what's, what's happening in L.A. We're talking on November 19th in 2021. Uh, you're, in, you're in L.A., been, been around the world, I know, as we were communicating in the last few months. Um, to begin with, what's, what exactly is happening in your studio in L.A.? Well, um, you know, after I've, I've been working a lot on glass over the past few years, um, making glass sculptures with uh, a blower here in, in Los Angeles and in, in Venice Beach, actually. And, um, you know, with COVID, it was very hard to travel and very hard to go around. And I'm obviously from Europe, as you can tell from my accent. <laughs> Um, and uh, I've been really wanting to go to Italy for a long time, to, to Venice uh, in Italy, to Murano in particular, to, to meet some people uh, in the glass blowing world there. And so I took a long break, uh, a month, to, to, go to, to go to Venice and, and, see, and meet people and see how I could work there and, uh, and, uh, and discover the different residency programs there. there. For, uh, for, for artists and designers. So it was a super interesting trip. I've been back for, uh, for two, three weeks now. So let's talk a little bit about that and what you, what you might make next. Um, I've, I've been to Murano once. As, as I remember, it was kind of a almost magically colorful um, town, and I, I didn't explore it much except in the way a, a tourist would, seeing a little bit of, of glass here and there. But what... Um, but what was your experience of that? That it, 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 it sounds magical to me. That's how I remember it, as a kind of dreamy kind of uh, place almost. Am I over-romanticizing it? No, it's totally incredible. It's, uh, it was even more incredible now in this last trip, I think, because there was very little tourism there. Uh, the only tourism that was happening in Venice was Italian tourism. So... It felt, it felt great to be uh, in a city that was not overcrowded as it usually is. And, you know, it's so magical because the way you go to Murano, if you work there, if you have appointments there, you just take the taxi, which is this little boat, and you arrive on the canal in, in, that, uh, in that sort of canal avenue in, um, in Murano. And on each side of the canal, it's, it's furnace after furnace after furnace after furnace. So, you know, it's, this, it's an island that's, that's been making glass for, I don't know, a thousand years. Right, and there's many ways of, of yeah. making... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go on. Yeah, that's what seems extraordinary. It's, it's that history and, um, yeah, and the, and the variety. So, so, so go on. You were about to say there's many ways of making glass? Yes, yes. You know, there's the... First of all, you can approach glass from a design standpoint. You can, you can make, you know, obviously lamps or, uh, I don't know, vases and all sorts of uh, functional objects for the home, which doesn't mean they're not beautiful, but, you know, that's one industry. And the other industry, uh, the other world of glass is the world of art glass. And uh, that's so mind-blowing. Um there's, there's this foundation called the Berengo Foundation, 
uh, started by uh, someone called Marco Berengo, who's a, a master blower and a curator, I guess. And uh, when I was there, they were making pieces for Ai Weiwei and Tony Craig, and it was just amazing to see, you know, the magic happen in front of you. It's literally magic, you know, making these shapes out of uh, melted sand, basically, right? And uh, the world of glass is so beautiful. It's liquid, it's solid, it's fire, it's water. I just, uh, I just got caught in it, and it's hard to leave. <laughs> It sounds amazing. So what was happening in those, in those furnaces, in those workshops where, as you're saying, they're making work for people like Ai Weiwei or I imagine, you know, Dale Chihuly, that kind of work. What, what, what techniques are they using or what's happening in those highly, highly specialized um, workshops? Well, it, it, you know, they're so experimental. I think that's why, I, I think that's why they, they opened that foundation uh, it's to experiment with glass. There's many ways to make glass. You could make it with a with a mold and just pour glass and not blow it. Uh, you can make transparent glass. You can make opaque glass. And for instance, I saw the some Tony Crack sculptures that were incredible because I couldn't I couldn't tell whether they were glass or not. They were just this matte black finish. And uh, very organic shapes that were not done with a mold, and they were not blown either. So I was completely confused by the by the process. I think what happened it was uh, some sort of guided uh, uh, crystallization, for lack of a better word, of solid solidification of the glass without a mold, but still trying to control the way the the, the dripping would happen. And then I saw some work. Uh, just incredible glass. There were some uh, some some functional pieces by uh, Nendo, the Japanese artist. And Nendo is an artist, a minimal designer, I would say. So he's between the world of art and design. And he made these uh, transparent glass chairs and transparent glass table or clear glass tables. And I just love the idea of almost not seeing the object and yet being able to use it, you know, to sit on it. I just find it amazing. So anyway, endless ways of endless ways of making glass, and I think uh, you know I was amazed because in my experience in uh, in the U.S. or outside of Venice, I guess you know the there's the there's a show on TV about the world of glass right now. Forgot the name, Blown Away maybe or something like that. And it's really uh, interesting, but at the same time, it's very tense, it's very loud, you know, a lot of drama, a lot of breakage, and, and none of that happens, in, in my experience, at least in Venice. It's, it's like everything is like clockwork, you know, it's like a ballet of, uh, of glassblowers. It's beautiful, silent ballet of glassblowers. Glass Everybody knows exactly what to do, there's no breakage, it's beautiful. So I was just uh, mesmerized yeah. by that world. And um, I, I have a show currently of, of my glass pieces in Los Angeles at the gallery called 20th. And, um, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking into what the next move is in terms of sculptures uh, with glass. And I, I'm going to try and do something there in Venice. So I was just you know, meeting the different shops that I could work with. 
And what will that mean in terms of your practice um, and, and how will it fit into to all the other work you've done, which we haven't gone into yet, but, but glasses is one more medium that you're, that you're exploring. But in your studio, there, there must be a number of things going on that this will be in, in the context of, right? Yes, that's right. So um, in, I've, I've, been, uh, explore, I've been experimenting with many um, media, um, from and I'm also between the world of fine art and the world the world of design, and between the world of uh, art and uh, brands. So I mean I'm in between many worlds, and um, what I like about glass is that in one way it's sort of painterly, because at least the way I, I do it, I leave a lot of room to uh, exper- experimentation with color. Uh, experimentation with shape. It kind of takes its own form. Uh, you can't really control it completely, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's, it's very much a design object, usually. You know, even though it can be very free-formed and, and, uh, and fluid, and um, a lot of people use it for their home, right? So it has that design element. So that's why I, I, like, I like the glass. I mean, as you know, on, on the one side, I'm an artist. I will, I make paintings and sound sculptures and all sorts of uh, different creations, I guess. And on the other side, I'm, I also make furniture. I started a furniture company uh, five or six years ago. And um, but the particularity of, of my practice, I guess, is that I design a lot of things and then I have them made. And I have them made in different locations according to what uh, what the objects are. So the furniture, I have it made in Italy or in Portugal or in France, in the U.S., depending. Um, and basically, what I what I involved in is, is in the prototyping and the, the sculpting of it, but sculpting on it on the computer. Of course, when I deal with uh, when I work on painting or drawings, I, I do that here at the studio, but everything that's built, uh, I'm definitely involved in, but I am not the one who builds it. And so let's, let's talk about that a little bit, because um, that also is, feeds into um, these other companies that you have. So you're, you're, you have a furniture company, but also you have uh, Formavision, which is... Um, company you founded that's that's been around for quite a while and it seems like they both they both inform each other right they're both kind of who you are kind of uh um artist that's using multiple mediums and and multiple forms of of installation right can tell can you tell me a little bit about form of vision and how that relates also to your to your practice yes yes you're right in saying that all these practices sort of mesh into each other so um, chronologically speaking, I started Former Vision in New York in 2001, a long time ago. And basically, the idea of uh, Former Vision was to uh, initially to link the world of uh, art uh, to the world of, uh, of brands. And basically, um, producing art campaigns uh, uh, for brands by involving artists and helping artists to create new work for these art platforms. And I never wanted the work to necessarily speak about the brand. There was not 
the job of the artist. Um, I just, I've always wanted to create some sort of parallel between the values of the brand or what they were trying to express in their, in their identity and the, and the work of the artist. So I would try to select, um, I always try to select artists who are in line with what the brand tries to express so that the work that's being created feels, you know, natural and belongs to the, to the body of work of, uh, of the artist, independently of the brand. So there's that that world, and over the years, the 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 production of Formal Vision has also integrated a lot of my own um, installation projects. Usually, the installation projects, and um, so I've been working with brands across many industries and internationally, a lot in China and in Europe. And parallel to that, in in 2015, I met some um, people involved in the furniture business, and uh, who proposed me to to create furniture for them and basically to start a, a furniture company for me to 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 I would say sculpt the furniture in 3D and then for uh, for the furniture to be then produced by the different fabricators mainly in Europe. And uh, 2015 is also the year when I moved to Los Angeles and, and when I sort of changed um, my focus in that I also became more and more of an artist, I would say. So I started uh, experimenting with uh, painting and drawing and sound sculptures and all sorts of, uh, of more personal work. And let's, so let's talk about that work. Um, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but, uh, but the more personal work, that, that is, of course, very, very different direction and, um, and a more perhaps inward direction than, than what you were doing with all the brands, correct? Yes, 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 that's right. Even though sometimes, you know, um, I still collaborate with a brand to create my own personal work or to produce some personal work, so it's still, you know, very fluid, the boundaries between one practice and another. But yes, you're right. A lot of my personal practice doesn't have anything to do with, uh, with brands. So, and, and so uh, what were the things you were exploring in, those, in, in that more personal work, which, um, which, is, which is really what we started out with, right? The, the, the glasses is potentially an extension of that personal work or no? Yeah, definitely. So... Uh, generally speaking, I would say that the, my personal work is uh, is very much based on geometric abstraction and um, on some sort of dialogue between order and chaos. And the way that I create these, um, so there's a lot of geometry in general in the work, and the way I create these uh, these glass sculptures is by blowing cubes of glass of different shapes of different sizes. As soon as they're out of the mold, when they're still hot, uh, we deform them with uh, with the flame or with gravity, and then um, and then we assemble them together in clusters to to create this sort of assemblage of uh, of glass. And um, I love the texture of glass. Um, in Venice, for instance, the, the, they're always trying to achieve a perfect glass. So a perfect glass in Venice is a glass that has no bubble and a glass that is um, sort of homogeneous with color. 
what I'm trying to do, or what I did with this uh, with current show that I have is, is the opposite. So I'm looking for a glass which has a lot of bubble, a lot of shape, imperfections, a lot of uh, freedom, and, uh, and disparities in color. So if, if we go a blue cube of glass, instead of being a homogeneous blue, there'd be blotches of blue here and there. And then, you know, there's a lot of experimentation, obviously, when, when, you, when you start working in this kind of medium. And what I noticed um, with the blue glass in particular is that the texture or the, the color uh, with the bubbles and the blue and the movement inside the glass, you have to remember that the glass is fluid initially, so it, re- it reminded me a lot of, uh, of the ocean. So basically, um, I, I pushed this concept a, a little further and created these sorts of encapsulations of, of the ocean by assembling um, various cubes of blue glass. And then because it's always beautiful to see glass through light, through a source of light, I inserted in the glass um, various LEDs or various sources of, of lighting and uh, sort of transform these pieces into light sculptures. So I like glass that's because glass is really that's close. That, 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 sounds, that sounds gorgeous. That, 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 that's what you're making <laughs> now locally with the, with the um, local artisans? Yeah. The, the... Yes, that's right. That's, that's, what I've, that's what I've been making and uh, it's glass pieces of uh, probably like, I would say, four foot high, um, like two foot wide. And some of them are suspensions. Some of them are um, what they call tabletop sculptures. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but at some point in my life, I, I did some, I mainly did music probably 10 years ago. I had a few records out, and I, I, I did that. And um, I, these days, I still make music, but I, it's a different way of making music. Now, I integrate the music into my sculptures. So they are usually abstract landscapes. Um, and uh, for this series of sculptures in glass, I, I, I also made sound sculptures, and the way these work is, um, I don't know if you know, uh, speaker technology, but there's a, um, there's a speaker called induction speaker, which basically uses a surface to propagate sound. So by applying this little induction speaker to glass, I make the, the glass speak. So I create these sculptures with uh, various speakers, one speaker per cube, for instance, and they're multi-channel speakers, multi-channel sculptures. Um, and every channel has a different sort of soundtrack that relates to the other tracks. So basically what I did on, uh, on this series of, of, of sculptures made of glass is that I used the sounds of the ocean, so not just the waves, but also sounds of uh, sea mammals or sonars and all sorts of sounds of water. I transformed these sounds to create this abstract landscape and, and projected the sounds from uh, from the glass, so there are sculptures, you know, for the home, which never repeat. They're sort of zen sounding, and they don't sound like the ocean, but more like uh, like what the ocean would sound like if it went through many guitar pedals. 
That's exciting. That's really exciting. And so um, if listeners want to see some of this work, um, is there is there an upcoming show? Uh, of course, there will be links to your website here so they can see more ab- about your work and sound and, and, and everything we've been discussing. But, yeah, is there a particular show that you're working for now or where some of this work will be installed? Yeah, there's a show right now at 20th Gallery in Los Angeles which shows these sculptures. But also on my website, I've done a little film about uh, about these uh, sound sculptures in particular. The name of the collection uh, of the show is called Hydrochrome, which uh, you know comes from ancient Greek, meaning the color of water. And um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been working that's on lately. Yeah, that's it's great. It's great to to hear all this and and catch up with you on this. I I just want to ask you a last question, which is, what are you reading at the moment? To be a little off topic. <laughs> no, no. So I'm not sure if I say his name right, but um, I'm I'm reading J.G. Ballard. You know, he's a science fiction author. Uh, yes, from yeah. the 60s, 70s, and um, he has many uh, amazing books that sort of predict the world that we live now. Uh, the one that I'm reading now is a, drone, a Drowned World, about uh, rising seas and everybody migrating to the North Pole or the South Pole to avoid um, rising temperatures. So that's very interesting. But uh, there was another book I read from him before that one. I haven't finished The Drowned World, but the one before was incredible. The series of, of short stories called Vermilion Sands. And Vermilion Sands is kind of uh, it's like a pump spring of some sort with a lot of celebrities and, and people who've succeeded in life but sort of retired. It's a very gentrified kind of, uh, of city, very privileged city. And one of the, of the, uh, the, the, the things they live with or the inventions they live with are sound sculptures or psychotropic houses, which I love. So the sound sculptures react to their lives, to their environment, to their moods, and their, the, the houses also have a, some sort of a variable geometry, and they adapt to the life and the mood of the people who live in them, and I just find that whole world fascinating. You know, with my sound sculptures, I often feel like I'm such a strange bird because... Who is interested in sound sculptures? You know, very few people. And then, uh, and then I, I read the novels of J.G. Ballard, and I, I feel less alone. <laughs> I feel like someone was uh, obsessed with sound sculptures before before me. So I just love his universe. Well, thanks so much for mentioning that. Yeah, I haven't read J.G. Ballard, but now I'm. Um, I want to. It's on my list. Uh, Sebastian, I, I want to thank you for talking with me today and, and also, um, yeah, congratulations on, on all this work and projects that you're, that you're involved in. I look forward to seeing what you're, you're working on next. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Thank you, Bernard. Very kind. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>